This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Clamp Corners Residential and Commercial Development, the biggest, most sensational, quiet little town you've ever seen. Clamp Corners, where life slows down to a crawl. This episode was also made possible by the kind support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash pod cemetery. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a meta week here on Pod Cemetery with Gremlins 2, The New Batch from 1990, and The Final Girls from 2015. Not the one from 2018. Or Final Girl from 2015. We're talking about The Final Girls from 2015 with Thaisa Farmiga and Malin Ackerman. Getting right into our classic film, 1990's Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Written by Charles S. Haas, based on characters created by Chris Columbus in the original. Directed by Joe Dante with animation by Chuck Jones, who had a cameo in the first movie. Hello, Gerald. Oh, is that why? I I guess this is he had already retired by this point, uh, and so he was willing to do it for this movie. I think because he he was friends with Joe Dante. We talk about it in our Gremlins episode. But is that why Daffy and and Bugs? Yeah, you can tell that they're drawn in the Chuck Jones style. Um, he had a, he had a very specific style, and it was sort of to set the tone for the movie, as you will see. The Gremlins themselves were originally created by Chris Wallace, and he was doing The Fly 2 at the time of this movie. And so the gremlin creation duties for the Gremlins movie, like if there's a Gremlins movie, it's this, not the other one, (laughs) Uh, were done by Rick Baker, actually. So that's really cool. Kelsey, what is Gremlins 2 about? The Gremlins are back to wreak havoc on New York City, and they are drinking... All kinds of chemical lab serums to become all kinds of different gremlins. and It's a gremlin showcase, ladies and gentlemen. They have to find a way to defeat them again. It's wacky, wacky, wacky. If you thought the first movie was a little wacky, this movie's very wacky. Yeah, this movie is just about how can we do a bunch of different types of gremlins? How can we show the people who had anything, who critiqued... Our silly little movie, how can we show them that this is a silly movie? Well, we can just say screw it to having any sort of actual plot. Uh Uh-huh. And it's just a building full of different opportunities for gremlins to be weird. And we'll make fun of our own movie while also eating and killing the people who make fun of our movie. Yes. Uh (laughs) The movie is available with a subscription to HBO Max. You can rent it for $4 or buy it for $13 on a number of services. Kelsey, should people watch... Gremlins 2. Only if you really like Gremlins. How dare you? That's the only reason to see this movie. This movie is so dumb. Who doesn't like Gremlins, Kelsey? (laughs) 
I guess. I mean, I like, I can see the appeal of the original Gremlins. This movie is just, it's just an excuse to make different types of Gremlin puppets. Yeah, but it's just fun. Like, if you, if you like the first Gremlins, this is not that movie. But if you're willing to open your mind and have some fun. This is G2, people. We write in Gremlins 2, it should be a party. This is a great playoff of that, I would say. This is Babe 2 in the city. Yeah. And isn't that actually a surprisingly good movie? No, it's not. Yes, it is. (laughs) You can take our advice such that it is or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1990s Gremlins 2, the new batch. Gizmo, he's cute. That furry thing? He's cuddly. He's quick. But this time, he's caught in a new bunch of trouble. Uh-oh. With a new batch of gremlins. <laughs> now, he's mad. And he's not going to take it anymore. Gremlins 2, the new batch. Rated PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Gremlins 2 begin? It starts with Daffy and Bugs, and Daffy tries to start the movie, but it doesn't go well. It is Bugs Bunny's 50th anniversary or something like that. Daffy gets upset that it's been 50 years of Bugs introducing Warner Brothers movies. It's his turn, and then, yeah, it messes up, and everything gets broken, and it shatters into the title Gremlins 2. We meet our two guys that are kind of villains, but also kind of not. Uh, it's the cowboy from Inner Space, right? We looked that up. Robert Picardo. Yeah, but he's probably most well known for playing the doctor on Star Trek Voyager. Oh. Yes. That's absolutely where he is most well known. But you will be seeing a whole hell of a lot of Inner Space cameos in this, <laughs> uh, because that's a Joe Dante movie. Oh. Yeah. That's fun. Also, uh, the dickhead from Scrooged. That's John Glover playing Daniel Clamp, who's sort of an amalgamation of Donald Trump and Ted Turner. Sort of 80s commercial excess. Playing kind of the same character from Scrooged that he played, but you like him a little bit more. Yeah, he has much more of a a good guy turn by the end of the movie. It's a little drastic at the end, but he's never like... An asshole. It's sort of people who work under him because they're so afraid of him. They're assholes. Yeah, I guess. So he is going to create this new technological building center place. Uh, And he's going to do it in the same place where Gizmo's shop used to be. Now, if you're thinking, hey, wait a minute. I thought that was in Chicago. So Mm -hmm. did I. Yeah. But now we're in New York City. There is an explanation for this. He wants to tear down that shop so he can build the... The uh, Clamp Chinatown Center, where business gets oriented. (laughs) Uh, That's not where the movie takes place. When he gets out because the building is destroyed a little bit later, one of the twins from Terminator 2 picks him up and takes him back to New York. Got it. Just happens to be where Billy is. Yeah, Uh got it, got it. Okay. They're trying to get him to sell his property. They leave him a TV. It's only important because he's going to see Rambo 
which yeah. is how he's going to... He's going to have a Rambo moment later. Yeah. Like, you know, in the first one when he's driving that car, even though that would be impossible, it's just silly fun. Remember Gremlins 1? It was silly fun. <laughs> uh, he's going to hear Rambo say, to survive a war, you have to become war. <laughs> But uh, the old man is dying. Yeah, and six weeks later, he is dead. So they start to destroy the building without With, taking any of the stuff out. Without plundering anything inside, which is crazy. Which is silly, uh-huh. but they do. And so Gizmo runs and is found, as Chris said, by one of the guys who works there, who is one of the twins from Terminator. And yes, both the twins are in the film. Yeah, they, they played... There's a separate characters. Joke. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Phoebe Cates works in the building. She gives tours of this technological marvel. And I guess he works in like the. The clamp building. Architecture department. Yeah. Uh-huh. I guess. They do all kinds of things in this. In and they this. rent out space. It's a very tall building. So tall that at the very, very tippity top in the office suite where Clamp works, uh, he's above the clouds, and he's beset by airplanes. <laughs> yes. In the building, they do, he does a lot of, like, video production, and he does, like, a lot of television yeah. stuff. There's a couple film studios. So there is a TV show being made where, what's his name? Grandpa Fred, played by Robert Prosky. Who we know from. Plenty of things, including Mrs. Doubtfire. Yes. He's the guy that gives him his job and yes. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, for sure. Yeah, he's putting on, he's dressed basically like Grandpa Munster. Yes, and he does, he shows really bad horror movies at mm-hmm. like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Which I love. Is like, a new, that's, that's what I want to do. It's a new time slot. Billy will reveal later, which is bad for Grandpa Fred. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in this building, there is a sign for Vectorscope Labs. Which is the lab from Inner Space. We see that poor little Gizmo is in their lab and not being taken care of very well. But we get a funny scene of him dancing. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> That's fun. There's a couple moments like this where you can tell that they added it in in post and, and the actors are just not looking at anything. They're showing Gizmo off to Christopher Lee, who plays Dr. Catheter. Oh, yeah. He's evil. Uh-huh. Well, he also has an arc. He, he becomes, yeah, he becomes good. <laughs> he realizes the error of his ways after this. Yes. After seeing things that the human man, human should not see. Yeah. Through a series of events, Billy realizes that Gizmo is up there, mm-hmm. goes and breaks him out and breaks out the animals as mm-hmm. he does, which was nice. To cause a distraction, yeah. Yes. But in all of the hullabaloo... I think the head guy finds out that Gizmo has been taken and is looking for Gizmo. Is that why he's walking around looking in their, all of their little... No. No, he just happens to be giving a tour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he happens to come across Billy's stuff and, like, Loves genuinely it. likes it a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I thought was funny. But because of that, his boss is like, oh... Come on a date with me and I'll make sure you get a promotion. Mm-hmm. But really, I mean, she just wants to get close to him because she thinks he's going to get a promotion. Right. And she she does try to put the moves on him. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. It, but it's all 
opportunistic yeah but yeah lost on him for sure he is all another he is completely i mean when she puts her foot in his crotch he's like okay i gotta go like he does know right but like he's completely oblivious to the fact that that might upset phoebe cates yes which is kind of uh weird at some point in here they fire henry gibson for smoking outside Robert Picardo fires him over the radio for taking an extra smoke break or something oh, like that. Oh, yes. That guy is from inner space, too. And the burbs, also directed by Joe Dante. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. There's another... There's two more burbs references, as far as I could tell. I'm sure there's more. Billy had asked Phoebe Cates to go and get Gizmo. Well, at this point, Gizmo's running around, and he gets hit by water from Gomez, From Gomez people. Adams, John Aston as Joe the Janitor. And he gets wet, and so he has a bunch of them made, and she takes one that vaguely resembles him, but he's all crazy. Here we have... Crazy gremlin. Mohawk. And then we got Daffy, who's the googly-eyed gremlin. Um, He's a mogwai right now. Uh, And then George and Lenny, as in Of Mice and Men. Those are, so George and Lenny are the guys in the in the sound booth or whatever later on. Smoking directing, the yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah, that's George and Lenny. And then there's Daffy... Who will become the the googly eyed gremlin? You talk about a gremlin whose sole purpose in this film is just that he looks stupid as fuck. Yes, because Gizmo is just incapable of just running a few feet away. It's so silly. Yeah, they shove him into the vent. But I mean, like to not get wet. Oh yeah, it's uh-huh. really dumb. And if he just stayed in the drawer, yes. I mean, I know you can't ask a fucking living being to be imprisoned. You know, he should he should be yearning for freedom. But still, had he just stayed in the drawer, everything would have been fine. Hmm. While on the date with his boss, the 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 restaurant is a Canadian restaurant, and there's this giant animal sitting with them at the at the. It's a moose. Yeah, or and then there's a chocolate moose, and it's an actual chocolate moose. They call out for the party of Gretzky. Yeah. They say A after everything and everyone's dressed like a Mountie. I don't get, okay. It's just Canada. Just if you're going to have a themed restaurant, because everything's themed, you got to go to your trendy themed restaurants and this one's themed after Canada. But so Phoebe Cates is like, oh my God, this one sucks because she still thinks it might be Gizmo. But of course, as soon as he shows up, he's like, that's not Gizmo. And it's so silly because like he leaves the, the date and nothing changes. Like, it wouldn't have mattered at all if he hadn't gone. Right. She's, like, totally fine with him just leaving. leaving. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's really dumb. I guess it's because she knows she just sexually harassed him. I guess. <laughs> and then, yeah, she kisses him, so that leaves lipstick on him, which, like, Phoebe Cates is like, I'm not happy about that, but then... I'm not going to say anything. Like, but she does say it, like, if we get out of this alive, I'm going to be mad, and yeah, then nothing happens. Later, yeah. So why even do it? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So because they've all, they there are several of them, Billy is like, I gotta shut this building down. So he tries to convince them to do so, but they think he's crazy. And while they are throwing him out, we see these mimes that have been arrested. Yeah, and one mime keeps throwing the bird. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as but he's also, walking, like they don't have. It's just handcuffs? a. It's just a. Well, because they're invisible handcuffs. <laughs> I, yeah, but they're not. Obviously, they're they're. Uh, whatever. They're coming out of a paddy wagon. It's just a visual gag. Because it's New York, man. New York's crazy. Later on, when we get an actual flying bat gremlin uh, going down the street, nobody gives it a second fucking glance until Murray starts messing with the cement truck. And then they all look. 
Well, that's a joke on just New York. Just that's joke. what I'm saying. The mimes being arrested is a joke about New York. But before they can get to them, they're like torturing Gizmo by like electrocuting him and stuff. They are running him through a copy machine. That happens too, yeah. Yeah, and it, so it keeps flashing in his eyes. Light bright, light bright. Mm-hmm. Howie Mandel is Gizmo. That does happen later, you're right. The guy from 16 Candles is in this, and he's being given a tour yeah, by Watanabe. Gates. Yeah. He is filming everything, which is going to become important. Stereotypical sort of thing. You know, yes, he is the an extremely stereotypical role in 16 Candles. In this, it's that classic Asian stereotype of, they're, oh, the Asian tourist with their camera. He's a camera expert, and later on, that's going to be his role in the plot, is carrying a camera and being a good cameraman. Yes. <laughs> and he's going to get a job at the yeah. end. Yeah. I mean, good for him, but still. But he is on a tour, and the tour takes them to a live show, a cooking show, mm-hmm. Microwave with Marge, which I thought was yeah, really funny. Uh-huh. And the joke is that she's an alcoholic, which is funny. And they can do, they can kind of redo the kitchen scene from the first movie. Yes. But the problem is that how did they get up there without anyone seeing? Right. How did one get into her food without anyone seeing? And it was in a soup. Wouldn't that have been the water that they needed? Yeah. But hey, you know what? You shouldn't be second guessing the rules. Because they'll eat you if you do. The writer of this movie did not write the original movie. He did not make the rules. They're going to bring that up several times. In fact, like when he's trying to convince them you need to evacuate the building because of these these Mogwai. Yeah, not before Rick Dukaman, Dukaman, Dukoman, Dukoman, whatever his, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. The neighbor from the Burbs is the security guard who gets attacked by one of the Mogwai in the face. talking about, is he joking about them? No, but that happens, and he gets brought up to the control room, and that's when it happens. He explains everything to everyone, and then when we come back to that scene... Okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, What if one of them eats something at 11 o'clock, but then he gets something stuck in his teeth? Yeah, like a caraway seed or a sesame seed. Whatever, right. right, And then after 12 o'clock, it comes out. Now, he didn't eat that after midnight. Look, I didn't make the rules, okay? Rules. I don't believe this. Oh, wait a minute. What about this? What if they're eating in an airplane and they cross the time zone? I mean, it's always midnight somewhere. Because these are all the things that people probably brought up and were uh-huh. like, these rules are garbage. And so Billy says, I don't know. I didn't make up the rules. Yes. <laughs> and because of that, they end up getting killed. Yeah. For questioning the ludicrous plot. We write in Gremlins too. It should be a party. That's the first of appearance of an actual Gremlin, I think. Yeah, because they did show that they had the cocoons and that they were opening up. But so the gremlins end up throwing metal into the microwave with Marge. Uh-huh. <laughs> Marge isn't inside. <laughs> uh, and In it a reference to the first movie, yeah. Causes a fire, uh-huh. which causes the sprinklers to go uh-huh. off, which causes the gremlins to, to then multiply. multiply. Yeah. And they're already gremlins at this point. So now there's like a whole army of them. And they're just causing all kinds of chaos. And the head guy up at the top ends up shredding one in his paper yeah, shredder, in his paper and that's shredder. really grotesque. Uh-huh. Well, it's just like the one that was killed in the blender. Yeah, that's true. 
But that was like a scary moment. This isn't a scary moment. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just gross. It's like grabbing onto him and it has the tie. And he's like, let go of my tie. <laughs> and this is when he's just so shocked by everything. Billy and Forster, Robert Picardo, show up. And so now everyone's sort of up to date. Everyone knows what's going on. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Yes. Uh, Phoebe Cates gets stuck in an elevator where they start, like, coming at her through the walls. But then Mm -hmm. one of them messes with the controls and ends up killing all of them. Yeah. uh Except for Phoebe Cates. She's fine. Yes. Um, I'd like this is the scene where they torture Gizmo. Uh, That happened a little bit earlier. One of our first meta moments, if you don't count the beginning with Bugs Bunny. The movie critic. Yeah. Leonard Maltin, who did give... The first Gremlins, a not-so-favorable review, mm-hmm. has a cameo in this one basically saying what he said about the first movie. Just re-released on video is the movie Gremlins, though I really can't imagine why. Now, I know some people found this movie fun, but me, I'd rather spend two hours having root canal work done. What's fun about a movie full of ugly, slimy, mean-spirited, gloppy little monsters who run amok and attack innocent people? Our moviegoers so desperate for entertainment, this is trash and has for fun. Wait a minute! Oh, just kidding! Oh, a ten! It's a ten! And then getting killed. Uh, yeah, he is reviewing Gremlins. Yes. So we have the original movie in the world of the second movie, so it's already meta. It's not just a reference. The movie itself is actually in this world. Get me the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie. How can there be a cassette of Spaceballs the movie? We're still in the middle of making it. Yes, and so they attack him. Ostensibly, they kill him for the review. This is when the gremlins are going to start taking all the serums. There's going to be a vegetable gremlin for some reason. I'm going to throw in a gremlin myself. Vegetable gremlin, just write it up. A genius gremlin. That's the brainy gremlin. You talking about a gremlin with glasses who could talk and sing New York, New York? That's brilliant. It's in the movie done. Played by Tony Randall. Might I have a brief word with you? There is the bat gremlin. You mean a gremlin with leathery wings just flying around, flip-flopping, bust through a wall, make a perfect bat symbol in the wall, get outside, get in some wet concrete, jump up on a building that just dry in place like a gargoyle gremlin. We are cooking with gas now. I love it. It's in the movie next. Yes. Exactly. Uh, who is given genetic sunblock, so he is able to fly around for a little bit before uh-huh. Murray is going to get him in concrete, which will not solidify until he has made it up to the top of a church to become a gargoyle. Genetic sunblock, whatever that that stuff was, is now is it works, and it's not used on any other gremlins in the rest of the movie. Yeah, I thought that was going to be a thing, but uh-huh. I guess not. Nope. There's a flasher gremlin that Phoebe just kicks out of the way. She just punts him out of the way. He's like wearing a little mini London fog. Coat. After he, he's seen all of this, Christopher Lee comes running out and he's like, I'll never hurt anything again. I'm so sorry for what I've done. I swear to God, young man, I will never hurt anything ever again. There's some things that man is not meant to displace. Also outside with the bat gremlin at the church, which they call the St. Eva Marie Cathedral. Um, it's a reference to Eva Marie Saint, actress. We get a sample of the song from The Burbs. There's oh, another Burbs we? reference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun. So then the gremlins end up messing with the film. Yeah, and they do about. shadow puppets. One of them finds a, a nudie movie called Volleyball Holiday, which I don't think is a real movie, Kelsey. <laughs> and it's just, it's extremely silly. The whole cast to fix everything. and Yeah, Hulk Hogan. You talking about putting Hulk Hogan, professional wrestler, 
turned actor, turned cultural icon in the movie where he break the fourth wall of the movie he's in by talking to the audience. You, sir, are a raging psychopath. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also certified awful human, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was a Hulkamaniac as a kid growing up. I saw him fight Mr. Perfect at a house show. <laughs> I had the tearaway shirt. I had the bandana. I had the, the the Hulkamania foam finger in yellow and red. Fucking loved Hulk growing up. I mean, I not was so not, much anymore. <laughs> I was not a wrestling fan in any way, shape, or form, but I definitely know, knew who Hulk Hogan was. Everybody knew who Hulk Hogan was. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys, listen up. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Do I have to come up there myself? Do you think the Grimsters can stand up to the Hulkster? Well, if I were you, I'd run the rest of Gremlins too right now. Sorry, folks. It won't happen again. There's a gremlin made from electricity. You just said noun and gremlin, like you play in Mad Libs. You're just like a child. You have the brain of a child. You do not have a high IQ, but you haphazardly came up with a gremlin that's just made out of bolts that is zigzagging all over the room and is done completely in animation. You a crazy person, and your idea's in the movie! Yeah. We also get a female gremlin who sexually assaults the second in command. The female gremlin. Lipstick, boobies, bitch, you have me and little gremlin but JJ. I love it so much that it's not only in the movie, but it's definitely in the movie. There's no backseats on that one, no penny taxis. Yes, 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 in the movie, done. That's why we need a woman in the writer's room. There's also a Phantom of the Opera. Later on, we'll see him do the dun, 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 dun. Um, it's acid thrown in his face. Yeah. Uh-huh. Christopher Lee ends up getting killed by the electric gremlin. Yeah, unfortunately, he just gets electrocuted. There is a spider gremlin, which I could not deal with, so I just didn't watch. You mean a gremlin with eight legs and a thorax just catching pretty ladies in a web in an office building? Oh my God, it's in the movie. I love it. Oh yeah, uh, his boss gets caught in the web, but then gets Marla taken out by Phoebe Cates. By Phoebe Cates, which is coming up here pretty soon. We see that Billy is with Clamp who then airs footage that they had saved for the end of the world, which is, I guess, the real a real thing that some news companies have. That's so funny. Yeah, just in case it's the end of the world, do not air. Uh, but yeah, this is when Marla gets caught in the web. Clamp uses his secret exit to get out. Uh, it's like a little elevator that brings him up from underground. Um, and then... Murray Futterman, who we hadn't mentioned, oh, yeah. is in New York to visit them. He's the one who gets attacked by the bat. I finally get to use my secret exit. Yes. He's all excited. Uh-huh. He's oh, good. I get to use my secret exit. <laughs> that, of course, is the incomparable Dick Miller. <laughs> but yeah, he he goes back inside. Meanwhile, Gizmo has made his own bow and arrow, which is really cute. Yeah. After Mohawk, who has turned into the spider at this point, has tied Gizmo up on the train tracks and ran a toy train into him. Just more of Gizmo getting tortured, like in the first movie, at the bar when they're throwing darts at him and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, Gizmo gets out and makes his own bow and arrow with uh, a pencil and what, like paper clips and a rubber band. Mm -hmm. This whole time, the guy from Mrs. Doubtfire that's dressed up as Munster 
has been filming Grandpa everything Fred, live, yeah, uh-huh. and he's the only thing that's been coming out of the building, and he's been being filmed by the guy from Sixteen Candles. And he, at one point, he is interviewing the genius gremlin. Yeah, the brainy gremlin. And then when he sees the brainy gremlin just shoot one of his own, he just hightails it out of there. And I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. Billy gets knocked out by one of the gremlins. I think the googly-eyed gremlin. Daffy. Oh, yeah. He tries to perform dental surgery. Right. He him. wakes up and he's tied to the dentist chair. But Murray is able to save him. That's when the spider gremlin yeah. shows up. And, but it's, it's short-lived. Kate. Cuts Marla out using her little cosmetic scissors that she keeps in her purse or whatever. Um, the spider attacks, and then Gizmo fires his flaming pencil at him, and then he dies on fire. And now everyone's joined back up again. We have Marla and Kate and Billy and Murray and Gizmo. And Phoebe Cates is about to tell a story about Lincoln Day, and then they don't let her. And I'm just like, so you're making fun of your own movie? Okay. Yeah. That you're killing everyone who did uh, people just think it's it? people critique the first movie it, it because it's such a dark moment in the original film, and so he's making fun of that. I think that's hilarious. These things get out. We'll stop them, get- Billy. Can't give up now. Washington didn't give up. Lincoln didn't give Please. up. Please, what's wrong? Oh, don't mention Lincoln. Something terrible happened to me when you were on Lincoln's birthday. I was six or. Seven, and I remember I had the day off from school, and Mom had let me go to the park. She made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I was going through that peanut butter and jelly sandwich phase. And this man with this honey, beard um, and a hat looked just like Abe Lincoln. Honey, I really don't think we've got time for this now, you know? He, I remember, <laughs> oh, God, he said, hello, little girl. Honey, come on. Yes, uh, for whatever reason, Brainy, well, I guess it's because, so they think that the night, it's become night, they've put this thing up to make oh, right. it look dark. The reason Clamp is outside is so he can orchestrate this. So they're singing New York, New York, because they're really excited to go outside. Uh-huh. There's this whole, like, stage special effect revealing the female gremlin. And the idea is that they're going to get them all out into the front lobby, and then they're going to drop this thing, and the sun is going to come pouring in. But that's not going to work because rain clouds come set in. Uh-huh, which would be even worse. Because so, water on the gremlins makes more gremlins. Right. So instead they electrocute them all. Yeah, they purposefully hose them down while they're in the lobby. And then because they trapped the electricity gremlin on hold in the phone... Oh, right, yes. They transferred that call to the lobby and then release him. Does this sound like nonsense? Yes, because it it's nonsense. Is. The movie is nonsense on porpoise. We're writing Gremlins too. It should be a party. You are correct. His boss ends up going out with the head guy, which is great. He comes to him and he's oh, like, yeah, how about she, merchandising yeah, for Gizmo? She, she, well, she's the head of uh, of like communications or public relations or whatever. He mentions when he's when he mentions merchandising, he says what he sees is dolls with suction cups staring out car windows. A big float in the Macy's Day Parade. Has anybody ever talked to you about merchandising? It's a real thing you could buy from Gremlins. You can get Gizmo on your window. Yes, I've definitely seen those. But yes, everyone dies because they get all electrocuted. The SWAT comes in. Uh, including Dean Norris, for some reason, who shoots bubbling goo. I don't know who that is. He's the brother-in-law who's into minerals and Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But, I mean, that's basically the end of the movie. Clamp is all excited about making, like, a slower model town based off of the town from the original, which is which that Billy, Billy drew. Yeah, uh-huh. money off of that. 
There's a weird moment, though, where... Oh, yeah. He's going to marry the gremlin. Yeah. Robert Picardo, the the female gremlin is still alive. Yeah. They're like going to get married. married. Yeah. And that's kind of how the movie ends. Except over credits, we get Daffy coming in and commenting. On how long it takes and why don't you go home? Yeah. Pulling a Ferris Bueller. So, I mean, we kind of rushed through that, but that's because there's not a lot going on there's in Gremlins really 2. There's a story here. It's just thing happens and thing happens and thing happens. What different kind of Gremlin can we put up? Let me just recap right now. It's Brainy Gremlin, Spider Gremlin, Bat Gremlin, Lady Gremlin, Googly Eye Gremlin, Electricity Gremlin, Hulk Hogan's gonna be in the picture. I'm gonna throw in a Gremlin myself. Vegetable Gremlin, just write it up. I'm having so much fun, thank you. It's all gonna be in the actual film. Now I gotta go put some cowboys in Back to the Future 3. Sayonara, y'all. Lucky for me, it's fun. I like that sort of thing. So I'm okay with there not being much of a plot, but consequently, there's not a whole hell of a lot to talk about. It's just, what if we did an inconsequential sequel to Gremlins, but we just went apeshit with it? It's trying to talk about a sketch comedy show. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. It's commenting on commercialism, on the the hustle attitude, you know, workplace issues. Yeah. If you, ever, if, if you ever think there shouldn't be a union, watch Gremlins 2, I guess. But I, I just... It just seemed like, hey, we made money on this movie that nobody seemed to actually like. Let's just make a ridiculous comedy. Make some more money. No, everyone liked Gremlins. It's just they waited too long. The critics didn't like it. Some didn't like it. That's the whole point. Well, Leonard Maltin in particular, but he was good-natured about it by the time this rolled around. People were into Gremlins, but it's time probably even passed by this point. Yeah, it's like six years later. It's just silly. It is silly, and I don't know. To me, this doesn't change anything. I don't think Gremlins needs a sequel, so if it's going to get a sequel, it should just be stupid. I'm totally fine with that. I like that Gizmo now lives with them. Yeah, I didn't that like that he nice. didn't live with them at the end of the first Well, they one. weren't responsible, and yeah, they're not responsible again. He just died without being responsible of him. It's not that they weren't being responsible. Oh, yeah, he was also being selfish and yes yeah one last little thing i wanted to talk about gremlins because in between recordings this came up is that joe dante uh is quoted i'm reading from the cnn article uh, entitled gremlins director thinks baby yoda was copied from gizmo the mogwai he says quote baby yoda is completely stolen and just out and out copied Uh, Dante told the Chronicle ahead of a screening of both Gremlins films, shamelessly, I would think. This is the San Francisco Chronicle that he originally told. This article mentions that the showrunners of The Mandalorian said that their inspirations were E.T. and Paper Moon, which I don't think is, I mean, pretty much everyone and their mother that knows anything about the manga is like, oh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Like, that's what it is. It's Lone Wolf and Cub. But I guess not. I guess Paper Moon is the whole father-child dynamic. But, um, okay. But what do you think, Kelsey? If Baby Yoda is a copy of... Excuse me, excuse me. Grogu? I refuse to call him by that name. I hate it so much. It's fine. Every Star Wars name is stupid. It's the most we could have hoped for. If he is a copy of... Gizmo. Uh-huh. Then guess what? 
Gizmo is a copy of Yoda. That's the dumbest argument I've ever heard. I 100% agree insofar as the visual design. It is just a baby version of an already pre-existing character. Yes. Absolutely. One that existed far before Gizmo. Child version of Yoda. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I guess maybe not far before. Yoda was introduced in 1980. The first Gremlins was 84. So it wasn't like... Far before. I think you could safely say that Gizmo is not based on Yoda. Yeah. Right. But this baby Yoda is based on Yoda. Yeah. I think what he is saying is that they tried to turn Yoda into Gizmo. And what they got was baby Yoda. That is the dumbest thing. And if he's going to be mad about anything, why isn't he mad about Furbies? They are the direct (laughs) ripoff of Gizmo. I I don't know. I imagine that there actually was some sort of legal action attempted at the time. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is... Because a baby version of Yoda, in his mind, looks so much like Gizmo, it's just Gizmo but without the fur. Well, then maybe you should be looking at at your own design and thinking, where did I get that design from? What he's saying is that Star Wars is never allowed to use a character that is a young version of Yoda's species. Because any of them would look like that. But his argument is also in, like behavior and their because their role in the movie and, exactly they just made they just made gizmo like a little kid why is howie mandel playing the voice of gizmo because famously he did the voice for bobby in bobby's world which the show came later but he did it in his stand up of a little kid like that's what gizmo is supposed to be is basically what if an animal was like bobby from howie mandel's stand up right like that's that's all he is so like yeah they share features but i think it's completely separate from each other they got to a similar sort of place by going in two different directions it is insane to me that dante's Able to think they ripped me off. Yeah. And he is not able to be introspective and think, maybe I ripped off Yoda. <laughs> I think I, I I think that it's totally reasonable that he recognizes the similarities. And, no. and pointing them out, I would say there are similarities as well. But I think there's a difference between similarity and ripoff. I don't think they were thinking of Gizmo at all when they did it. And if they did, it's like, what are we supposed to do? Make a child version of Yoda that doesn't look like Yoda? Like, come on. It's stupid. It's it's so stupid that he's saying shamelessly. It's like, oh, yeah, there's no other way anyone could have come up with the character of Grogu other than ripping off Gizmo. Nah, I think there's a lot of different ways you could have. <laughs> I hope this was taken out of context and he was joking. Right. Uh-huh. Ah, who knows? It was the topic of the day or whatever. And then... He just spoke off the cuff, would be my guess. Anyway, so Kelsey. Yes. What do you think Gremlins 2 has on Rotten Tomatoes? Keeping in mind that when we reviewed the original, it had an 84. I'm going to go 53. 71. 71. Gremlins 2 trades the spiky thrills of its predecessor for loony satire, yielding a succession of sporadically clever gags that add some flavor to a recycled plot. Metacritic of 69 dudes and uh, a cinema score of B+. 
So people were feeling okay coming out of this movie. Apparently. I feel almost like you kind of had to accept that this movie, that this is what it was going to be. Certainly they marketed it that way, right? So. I don't know. I wouldn't remember the marketing of this film. All I remember. It terrified me. All I remember is that I had the official novelization and it had pictures in the middle. You remember those novelizations where just like the center <laughs> no. pages were just color pictures from the film? No. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> now, Kelsey, you gave the original an 80. I gave it a 90. Wow. What would you give Gremlins 2? I'll give it a 63. <sighs> too low, too low. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's a fair representation of how you thought about the movie. So, like, I don't disagree with your rating. It's just too low for me. I. It's definitely in the 70s. For sure. I mean, it's not a 90 like the first one was. I mean, the first one is Gremlins to me. Uh, this is just like... Hey, if we're gonna do something with it, <laughs> let's do let's do something crazy different. Shit. Let's do something different, you know. And this kind of wacky shit was right up my alley at that age. So, um, I mean, even still, I'm going to give it. I'm just gonna give it a straight seventy-five. I think. Okay. It's a solidly good movie in my mind. Uh, I've seen it several times. I've probably seen it just as many times as I've seen the original. I've seen it maybe three or four times, maybe. Yes. Yeah. That's still a lot. Guess, I would guess, because I know I saw it at least a couple times as a kid. It scared the shit out of me. Uh-huh. Maybe I'm just thinking of the original. I just remember the talking one a lot. Yeah. Uh, and the spider, of course. Yeah, okay, what is your favorite gremlin? Of the new ones? Of the new ones from this movie. We have... <laughs> Rainy gremlin, spider gremlin, bat gremlin, lady gremlin, googly eye gremlin, electricity gremlin, Hulk Hogan's gonna be in the picture. I'm gonna throw in a gremlin myself. Vegetable gremlin. I think my favorite has got to be the bat gremlin simply because it turns into a gargoyle. Yeah, that's really fucking cool. Uh, it makes the Batman logo. Uh, would you say you like that better than the phantom gremlin? Yes. Really? Yes. I figured you'd love it as a reference to Phantom of the Opera. There's that moment at the end where he walks towards the camera like it's the old movie. Well, she takes she ta shakes his mask off. Yeah, uh -huh. just like in the original movie. Yes. So I don't know. It's kind of cool. I think as a kid growing up, my favorite was definitely Daffy because well, he's kind of supposed to be. Kid. But I also <laughs> liked the Brainy Gremlin because he was like, cause he, I mean, he's he's psychopathic. Like, at first, he's just smart, and it's it's one of those irrationally smart things where they're not just, their brain's not just bigger, they just know things they'd have no way of knowing, but that happened in the original, too. I think I was most annoyed that they just knew Gizmo's name. Right. At the very beginning. Like, it was like, it was like- <laughs> How would you know? <laughs> they were just reincarnated. Yeah. Uh, -huh. uh They share his memories or something. Right? <laughs> and it's possible, who knows? <laughs> but I also liked him because he wore glasses, which I did as a kid, and- uh, you know, my favorite Ninja Turtle was Donatello. Like, I was that guy. So the brainy guy and Daffy were probably tied. But then, yeah, you watch him give that interview, and it's basically the Joker. Yes. 
he has something to say about what society is and how people should be treated. And then he just randomly shoots somebody. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Joker. <laughs> Get what you fucking deserve! Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Okay, that is 1990's Gremlins 2, The New Batch. Moving on to our modern film, 2015's The Final Girls, directed by Todd Strauss Schulson, written by M.A. Fortin and Joshua John Miller, who apparently had just lost his dad, uh, Jason Miller, who is Father Karras in The Exorcist, uh, recently, and was coping with that, and wrote this as sort of like that sort of coping mechanism. That's why there's the daughter-mother relationship Oh, so he hates... The Exorcist. Well, it's just that he has an actor dad who passed away, and can he know his dad more through the movies than his actual relationship he had with him? Like, can he can he learn more about his father? Like, it's that sort of thing. Comes from his own personal relationship with his actor father. The movie stars Taisa Farmiga, Malin Ackerman, Adam Devine, Thomas Middleditch, Alexander Ludwig, Nina Dobrev, and Alia Shotcat, or Alia, I don't know how you pronounce her name. Alexander Ludwig is the only one that I'm like, who? And then I find out, Kelsey, do you know who Alexander Ludwig is? Which one was that? Chris, the blonde, handsome one. He looks familiar. He, well, I mean, some people might know him from Vikings. But he was the blonde dude in Hunger Games. Yep. That's where I know him from. Uh Uh-huh. But he plays a completely different character in this movie. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Nina Dobrev, probably not as well known as the other people on here. I don't know. Famously, probably most from Vampire Diaries, which we never watched. Nope. But she was in that for years. Uh, So... That's probably where most people in the horror world, I guess, know her from. Kelsey, what is The Final Girls about? A girl whose mother was in a few bad horror flicks and a few TV shows. Uh, She dies. And what is it, three years later? They're doing a film festival and they're going to show that movie. And they ask her, the daughter, to go and do like a Q&A. So she decides to go, and through the magic of the world of film, she gets inside the movie with her friends. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then she has to survive the film. The movie is available for $4 to rent and $13 to buy. Kelsey, should people watch The Final Girls? I would say yes. Yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, so did I. Don't get me wrong. I just said that it's dumb how they get in, but that's just one element of the film. I think it's it's, it's fun. It's a silly movie. So Yeah, it's got a lot of silly stuff in it, but I think uh it's a fun movie. Chickapedia, we mentioned last week, did recommend Final Girls, and I think I said at the time, I don't know if this is the one that you're talking about, because there is The Final Girl, (laughs) and there's another movie called Final Girls, but I think you originally wanted us us to uh, put it together with New Nightmare, so I would assume it is this one, because that's a very meta nightmare movie. (laughs) Uh, so I, hopefully we're fulfilling your request here. (laughs) Let us know, you know, let us know in the discord when you hear this episode. Okay. I agree. I think, uh, this is a silly, silly movie. You cannot take it seriously. 
It is not designed to be taken seriously, although it does have kind of an emotional undercurrent that you can take seriously. The content itself, like why you're here, is just to have fun with horror movie tropes. Yes. And that's what the movie does. And and if you're into that, I think you should definitely see it. Yes. Yeah. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2015's The Final Girls. Camp Bloodbath is the granddaddy of all campsite slasher films. Max's mom plays Nancy, this shy girl next door. It's cool you get to remember your mom this way. At least I get to see her on the anniversary of her death, even if she is being chased by a psycho. So, we're in the movie. Oh, hi. What's your name? Help me pick some strawberries? Nope, but I'll give you a hand with those melons. Talking about her boobs. Well, writing is so bad. What is that noise? It's Billy. He's coming. Everyone who has sex in this movie dies. It's awesome. No sex. How do we get out of here? The movies like this end when the final girl kills the bad guy and the credits roll. That's all. That's the final girl. We just have to stay with her till the end of the movie. Oops. I want to know where they get the hardware. I want chainsaws and big ass knives, and I want them now. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does the final girls begin? With a pretty funny trailer for the film that her mom was in. Yeah, the the movie's called Camp Bloodbath, and it's definitely a take on Friday the 13th. Oh, 100%. He has a machete. Machete. <laughs> uh, they're at Camp Bluefinch instead of Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, but we have the announcer saying weird things like, they're going to go from singing Kumbaya to Kumbaya No. Yeah, it's... Very good. <laughs> Welcome to Camp Bluefinch, where romance and the sun can turn deadly. Where the days are warm, the girls are cool, the nights are always hot, and evil lurks around every corner, and any moment, Billy can strike. They won't be singing Kumbaya. They'll be screaming Kumbano. Pack your bags for Camp Bloodbath. You just messed with the wrong virgin. Where the only marshmallow that will roast is your sanity. He even wears like a mask, but his name is Billy. Billy, yes. Billy Murphy. We meet the main... The funny thing is that she wasn't even the main star. She was not the final girl. She wasn't, which was a little weird because she was definitely designed to be the final girl. Like, they even talk about her later on dismissively in the sort of like, oh, you're just the goody two-shoes or whatever, and then you sing the song, you get laid, and then you die. And it's like, but out of everyone here, she is the archetypical final girl. So it's well, weird the person that they chose to be, the like, badass? the final girl being the badass. Yeah. That was a little bizarre. But, I mean, for the purposes of the plot of the movie, they needed it to be that she would die normally in this right, movie. Right, they needed it to be that her she had to save her mom. Yeah. But in the end, she doesn't save her mom. Her mom saves her. Malin, Malin Ackerman, however you pronounce that name. Who 
you know from a lot of things, but you probably mostly know her from 27 Dresses, She's the Sister, or... Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah. And her daughter is Thaisa Farmiga, who, yes, she is a Farmiga. Yeah. They are sisters. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, at this time, she was around 21. If we're not going by actual months, I'm going to give some ages here. We're not going by months. We're just going estimates based on years. She was 21 at the time, and Malin Ackerman was 37. So she would have had to have been 16. But of course, obviously, they're not playing the real ages. Right. But so in 2015, she would have been 37. So 20 years ago, she says, because I asked what year is it supposed to be now? It was supposed to be 20 years ago, which would have been 1995. So I don't think this is supposed to take place in 2015. (laughs) Oddly, I mean, the math just doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she would have been 17 when she made that movie, if we're going by her actual age. But we assume she's probably like 40 or something. And yeah, so when she was young. Yes. We get a look at her resume of films yeah, her headshot and TV shows. with her resume on the back in such movies as Heart to Heart, which I guess is a film adaptation of the TV show. Uh, and her last name is Heart. Did you notice that? She yeah, her character was a heart. Yeah, yes. Coed Massacre, Stepmom Two: Revenge of Diane, which is a fun little twist on Stepfather. <laughs> Chopping Mall, which is a real movie. Real movie. Uh huh. Sleigh Bells, which. There's certainly a Sleigh Bells movie, right? We've, I mean, we've seen Santa's Sleigh. Right, we've seen Santa's Sleigh. I think there might be a Sleigh Ride? I don't know. There, there would have to be a movie called Sleigh Bells, but spelled S-L-A-Y. I, it'd, it'd be remarkable if this was the first time we'd seen that. And then, yes, of course, Camp Bloodbath was like the first movie that she was in. So she is coming out of a an audition where just like every every other audition, everyone brings up, you know, how do I know you? Uh huh. It's always from Camp Bloodbath. It's never from her arc on what was it, twenty four? <laughs> she says some show alias, oh, some show, yeah, something. And she had an arc on it, but no, it's always Camp Bloodbath. It's like CSI something. I think is what she said. Mm. The casting director was all like, "I know you from somewhere," and I went, "Really." Oh, it's probably my arc on CSI as, like, a bipolar mistress. And he's like, no, I got it. Camp Bloodbath. Oh, am I ever going to live that movie down? I mean, it was 20 years ago. Honestly, if you ever become an actor, don't ever do a slasher flick. You wouldn't catch me dead in a movie. You're the actress here. And they start to make themselves feel better. They sing and dance to Betty Davis' eyes. Yeah. Which is going to come up later. It's like their song. But, like... Later, it's going to come up when her mom has to show her boobs to get oh, killed. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, her mom strip dances for her to their song. It's, it's really weird. It, like, emotionally, you know what it, the movie's going for, and sure, it kind of succeeds, but it, you you can't I think disagree. for a... disagree. You can't think for a single second that she is doing a striptease for her daughter. Like, directed to her daughter. Like, yes, she's doing it for another reason, but she's like, this is our song, and I'm dancing to it. Remember, this is an emotional connection between mother and daughter. Here are my tits. But it's not as crass as that sounds, but that's effectively what happens later on. It's very uncomfortable. Uh Uh-huh. I do want to want to point out that she does drop the line. Honestly, if you ever become an actor, don't ever do a slasher flick. When she's complaining about how that's all she's known for now. And Max, Thais's character, says, you wouldn't catch me dead in a movie. Like, she learned from her mom, don't do movies. Mm-hmm. But, of course, 
meta style. Ha ha ha. They're both in a slasher movie right now. <sighs> so something happens. She drops her drink on her headshots and car accident. Car accident. Mom's dead. Yeah. Three years later. Something like that. She's living with her Aunt Pearl, who we hear once and never see. That is correct. She is best friends with Gertie. And to make sure that we know that she's sad about her mom's death, we have her watching videos of her and her mom. Oh, yeah. And then she's just watching. Okay, so it's been three years. And she just watches this on her getting in it while she's getting ready for school. And then as she's leaving, she just leaves it on. And I'm just yeah. like, real life. <laughs> no. This is a sticking point for Kelsey often, actually. Yes. Uh-huh. Because I don't these blame things you. just are so not realistic at all. Uh-huh. It's like nobody stops to think, if this was real life, what would happen? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, I mean, it's fine. You're supposed to not even think about it. But what where they're going, Gertie is picking her up. That's Aaliyah Shawkat is picking her up, and they're going to go on a study date, sort of, at a diner with Alexander Ludwig's Chris, who's 23 at the time. He is this sensitive, awkward, classics fan, slash, like, lacrosse Captain Hunk. Like, what are they doing with that character there? It's very weird. It could happen. Uh Uh-huh, sure it could. (laughs) Listen, I've known... Some guys, like we were, we were just talking about how. Um, anyway, the story doesn't matter. But there was a guy at my school who was like the captain of the football team, and you know he was a jock and he was very handsome, but he was also like a super good dude. <laughs> but he wasn't like tutoring other students in the classics. Or anything, <laughs> you know what I mean? But also, her best friends. Brother by marriage? Stepbrother, yeah. Thomas Middleditch shows up, who was 33 at the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> Duncan. But he is just a stepbrother. He's not, like, supposed to be in their class or anything. He works at the theater. He doesn't go to their school or anything. I guess. He's just her stepbrother. He's definitely the best character. However, like, he is so oblivious to other human beings' feelings. Well, I mean, he's supposed to be a nerd. So that means that he can't be aware of other people's feelings? No, it's a stereotype. Hmm. Well, he is obsessed with 80s slasher movies, specifically Camp Bloodbath. Yeah. He loves it for how bad it is, apparently. And he told, but like gloriously bad, like in a good way, right? Yeah. And he told the people that he works with, I guess. Oh, he told the bathmaticians is what they're called. These are Bloodbath fans. That his sister's best friend was the daughter of Nancy, the character from Bloodbath that Malin Ackerman plays. And they lost their minds. And so he's trying to convince her to do this Q&A thing at their Bloodbath marathon, which is Bloodbath 1 and Bloodbath 2. Which immediately, immediately I'm finding out that there was a Bloodbath 2. And that they were going to be showing both movies at this theater back to back. I was like, oh, okay, so when they go into Camp Bloodbath 1... At the end, they're going to go into Camp Bloodbath 2. Either, like, at some point, either they find their way out of the first one and then they end up in the second one and that's the whole movie, or at the end of the movie, the big twist is that they're in the second one. And let me tell you, one of those two things very much does happen. 
And that's kind of, you just have to say, okay. Yeah. All right. Whatever. You kind of can't care about these people and what they're going through, really. (laughs) Well, that, but also, like, you can't care about the logistics. So, like, at the beginning, Mm -hmm. when they first get sucked in, it's going to be a really funny joke that the movie keeps repeating. They have to be part of it to end their suffering, right? To get through it, they have to live through it. But if the movie kept restarting, why wouldn't the second film start? Like, I'm confused. And it you just have to just say, logic doesn't well, matter. Well, the second film does start. That's the point. Once they've lived through the first one. Yeah. Why don't they have to live? Why don't they have to? Why doesn't the second one start? I Because they have to get through the first one first. I guess. <laughs> no, that's fine. But there are a lot of sort of logical hurdles that they have to cross i would say and they just go they just kind of ignore it they just walk right through it sometimes Mm -hmm. but it's fun to think about but the problem is is when you set this up we're almost there when you set this up you do kind of put people in oh this is a fascinating concept let me figure out how it would work kind of mode and then that's kind of all i'm thinking about are the logistics of how this teleporting into the world would work. And so I spend much of my time thinking about that. And they do kind of play around in that space, but it's a lot of hand-waving. It's a lot of, oh, this must be the case. Okay, moving on. You know, and that's fine for what it is. But as an audience member, I'm like, I really want to dig into this. (laughs) But that's just the type of audience member that I am. I can't say that's the same way for everyone. So how do we get into the movie first? So they're gonna, this group of four, well, yeah, kind of, because Chris is like, oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm going, yeah, because he's obviously into Max, because he just broke up with his ex-girlfriend, who we're going to meet at the theater that night. Yes, she is going to be a character. And you might be wondering, well, how do they convince her daughter, how do they convince Taisa Fermiga to do it? He promises to do all of her schoolwork for a class for the rest of the year, because she's failing that class. Yeah, so she agrees to do it, and... They're in line, kind of. They're waiting to go inside when Nina Dobrev shows up playing Vicky. And she shows up with another jock, making up an excuse, who disappears. Well, yeah, because she says, oh, he wanted to come here. And I was like, oh, I guess, fine. Like, trying to play it off like she didn't know that Chris was going. Because Chris is like, oh, so you didn't see my post that I was coming here tonight? Uh And she's like, no, what are you talking about? I don't follow your account, which, by the way, lost three followers today. You know, like, Uh that's the joke, is that, yes, she did see that Chris was coming, and yes, it was her idea to come, and this guy she was going with was just, number one, an excuse, and number two, a way to make Chris jealous, and he served his purpose right at the beginning. So she's like, oh, he got, like, super sick all of a sudden, and then, like, had to leave. Uh, but the important thing that we find out about Nina, besides the fact that Chris House has to, like, put up with her now because she's his ex, is that she used to be friends with Max. And I wrote, they don't really tell you that. All they say is that, hey, Max, isn't this the anniversary of your mom's death? Isn't that today? Well, they talk about it a couple times. That right. They but, used to be friends. But first, this is the only, this is the first thing you get. Yes. And... And she's like, I have a great memory. You know, she she comments on. And I wrote down, I mean, I guess she's not only Chris's ex, but also Max's ex-best friend. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the conclusion I came to immediately. But that's all you get for a while. It's not until later that you start to learn that, yes, they were. They did used to be best friends before Max's mom died. Mm-hmm. Nina Dobrev, by the way, is 26. So they all sit down to watch the movie 
and it's it's definitely Jason. It so it's actually it's not Friday the thirteenth. Right. Because it's Friday the thirteenth part two. Right. It's the slasher where Jason is the actual killer. So we kind of skip the whole it's actually his mom in the first movie, and we go right to the iconic slasher. And we get a flashback. Nancy, uh, Max's mom's character in the movie, tells the ghost story about Billy in the summer of 57. Right. And in this fucking version, they, like, torture this kid. Yes. So it's like, okay, you kind of He's do deserve to die. And they torture him. Whereas yeah. in, in Friday the 13th, yes, they're not paying attention. But, like, no, it's nobody's fault right. that he dies. Somebody, somebody has an extreme response to something that's an unfortunate an accident. accident. No, this is not an accident. And he comes back. Well, I mean, it's an accident. Well, I guess he doesn't die, does he? They no. Don't kill he him. runs into the woods, and then he comes back at night with wearing the mask. Right. And he chops up everyone in his bunk. Because uh, with they a, tortured With a machete. <laughs> so that's like the story. And then he grows up into the adult version and continues to, to kill people. And that's the ghost story. Now, while they are watching this film, audience members are drinking and getting high. And the people who are drinking are going to drop their bottle of alcohol, and the what the alcohol is going to spill down the entirety of mm-hmm. the theater. And the dude who's smoking the joint, well, part of the joint is going to fall into that alcohol. Yeah, and it's going to start a fire. Now, they're not going to do a great job of explaining why this leads into going into the movie. Because in the commotion of the fire, Max and all of her friends are going to find a prop machete that's there because it's this big event. They're going to cut through the screen and walk into the screen and nobody follows them. Uh, well, and, and they make the it into the movie. exits are blocked by for the fire. Some so the idea is that everyone's going to fucking die in this fire. Yeah. Yeah. But also the f- the lighter that he uses to light the joint or the cigarette or whatever it was, and the drinking of the vodka from the bottle or whatever, like it mirrors something that's happening in the movie at that exact moment. Yes. I don't know if that has something to do with creating this spell, but if it does, they didn't lean into it hard enough. Absolutely not. There, no. Other than that, there is zero explanation. You just kind of have to notice that, and there's no explanation as to why that would cause anything to happen. You know, we don't get any insert shots of like, the projector glowing or something, you know, like anything happening. It's just they cut a hole, they walk through the hole, and now they're in the movie. Right. Like I said, it's kind of dumb. Hand wavy, right? And so you just got to roll with it. Mm-hmm. But it's okay, because immediately, what is his name? Duncan. Duncan is just going to steal the show. And yeah. it is a big, big bummer that he is the first guy that's going to fucking he die. He is. I do appreciate that they all kind of get it right away. They don't spend too long with them figuring it out. They show up in this world, and the van drives up, carrying... And remember, guys, we've already seen some of these scenes from mm-hmm. the film. So, like, we as the audience are at the same level as the people watching this movie. Right. Like, this we understand this is part of the film. Yeah. And they just have to accept that. So the van is carrying Adam Devine playing Kurt and Nancy is sleeping in the back and Tina played by Angela Trimber. And they sort of give them directions and they're like, what the fuck is happening? And then they drive off. (laughs) She, 
Tina pulls down the window and says her first line. Hey, do you guys know the way to Camp Bluefinch? Uh-huh. And the, Duncan goes, Tina. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he puts his hand over his head. It's just, it's so cute. And then nobody says anything and they just drive away. It's really funny. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Nobody says anything and they're like, okay. And they just <laughs> sort of like drive away. And so and they then... start walking, but they are, they can't get anywhere. They yeah. just keep walking in the same area. And then 92 minutes pass. Mm-hmm. So he starts timing it just to be sure. And he's like, yeah, sure enough, it's making a loop. The first movie is looping over and over again. The movie is 92 minutes long. Ladies and gentlemen, the movie we're watching right now is 92 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Which is a fun idea, but I also think it fucks with the pacing. I don't think it's worth that joke. That sort of meta joke that the actual movie, The Final Girls, is 92 minutes long. It does sort of fuck with the pacing. Oh. Because it doesn't even line up. It's not like... Right. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we, we live through all 92 minutes of bloodbath can't bloodbath right it's just that this movie happens to also be the same length Correct. so it's not worth it to fuck with the pacing because they kind of force it into that 92 minute box i love when they decide to when duncan convinces them to join in yeah i love how to get a ride how he's like yeah we know how to get to camp bluefinch and if you just let us into your car we'll show you how to get there oh rad i really like tina yeah I think tina's tina great is a lot of fun tina is great i should add that we now have two characters in the movie camp bloodbath named tina and nancy like in the first nightmare movie yes tina's the one who gets killed on the ceiling yes so they get into the tr- into the van and they're talking, and because he knows all the lines, he initiates one of Tina's lines. Uh-huh. And as she's like, saying, "What what would you bring to camp or whatever?" Yeah. And as she says her stuff, he's mouthing the lines. And it's <laughs> he's so, so good. jazzed. It's yeah, uh-huh. so, he's so funny. Uh huh. If you haven't, you should watch Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix. He's the he was the guy from that. Uh, tech show right silicon valley yeah yes uh-huh. so they get to camp so they're posing as as new camp counselors despite which, the fact that there's no record right which they do bring up like who are these people but then it kind of doesn't go anywhere well because i think i think you can argue that number one these characters are dumb idiots who are going to get killed right they're just sort of fodder but also the movie's trying to like correct itself Right? Like it's trying to just keep going. And so the characters in the movie will wave off weird shit happening because they have a like a script to follow. So I'd better not think too hard about the fact that these are a bunch of new kids coming. Let's just move on to the next line in the script, right? And I yes. think that's what's happening. But so Thaisa Farmiga ends up talking to her mom, who of course has no idea that she is her mom. Uh-huh. And- Taisa is like crying and she's like, I know it's so hard to be away from your parents. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's funny because she is her she mom. She is her parent, yeah. Uh-huh. Tina says that uh, Alexander Ludwig looks like Ricky Schroeder. Dibs on the one that looks like Ricky Schroeder. <laughs> he was a child actor. I don't know who that he was, is. He was a blonde child actor. Okay. Uh, I love when Duncan prompts one of the guys. Uh, not one of the guys. What's Adam Devine. Adam to say one of his yeah, lines. The character's like, name is Kurt, yeah. And he goes, amazing. The writing is so bad. It, it's, <laughs> it's really good. He's really funny. He tells him to like suck on his farts or something like that. And he's like, oh, 
absolutely terrible. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we. This is so weird. Do me a favor and just zing me. Just get me. Fine. How about you? Go suck a turd. <laughs> Writing is so bad. And he, they, they're asking for his van, which of course he can't let them take. So he's like, "Sure, you can, t- you can get it if you can find the keys." And he throws the keys. Uh-huh. And I think it's the ex girlfriend goes. I'm glad that you died. What? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in, in so far as we all died, we're, we're basically all dying from the moment that we're born. And then he's like, "What are you talking? No, we don't." <laughs> what she meant to say was that we all die eventually. Technically, we start dying the moment we were born. Yeah, right. Yes, but not to okay. overwhelm you. <clears throat> I liked you when you were laughing at my jokes. Now I just think you're weird. But Ultimately, so- though, they hear the Jason noise. <laughs> what is that noise? It's Billy. Yeah, but so Taisa Farmiga realizes if I can stop my mom from having sex in the movie, then she won't get killed. Yes, right. And she tries to talk her out of sleeping with Kurt. Yes, tries to convince her how dangerous sex is. And she's like, I mean, Tina's already done it twice today. And look at her. She's totally normal. She says the best feeling in the world is getting stoned and doing it on a waterbed. Don't hang around, Tina. Uh-huh. And it's hilarious. Yes. It's really funny. And, and Thais is just like, stay away from Tina. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, while they're, while they're looking for the keys, I think, they hear the Jason noise. And it's almost an exact... Like, there's no way they're not mimicking the Jason noise. Like, it's so close. <laughs> you know how they say it? it's mama, and it's supposed to be like kill mom, right? And yeah, originally, but like ever since then, it kind of hasn't been. It gets further and further away from that with every movie. And this is almost literally what the world at large knows as like the Jason sound. And they they hear it in the world, like they hear the soundtrack, but just that part of it. And so they realize that the first kill is going to happen. Yes. And so the first kill is a hippie in the woods, very similar to the original Friday the 13th, the girl who's walking by herself. Is that? Oh, I'm thinking of. Am I thinking of two? Is that the one with the banana? Yes, yeah, I'm thinking of, of of a later one. You're thinking of the first one, yeah, where she's walking along the road or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. But so they're all about to watch this girl die, and some of them are like, we've got to save her. And Duncan says, no, our duty is to observe, not to obstruct. It's like we're in the wild. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, and I'm just like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't just watch somebody die I knowing could. what's going to happen. I definitely could. You could? yes. I mean, knowing that I'm just inside of a movie, that these aren't real people with real interior lives. I mean, the movie will later on argue that that's not the case, that they are real and full people. But at this point, you have no reason to expect that. Well, Duncan's going to fucking die here because he assumes, just like what Chris said, that it's just a movie. So he goes to taste the blood. It's just blood, not corn Uh syrup. And then he's like, well, but at least the killer, Billy, isn't going to kill me. I'll just take a selfie with it. And then he kills him. And it's just like, that was dumb. Yeah. The whole point of this is to set up that, no, there are real world consequences here. That is a real person dead now. And now you are also in danger. You can't just rely on the fact that this is a movie. We need to set stakes. And so Duncan dying sets those stakes. 
which is a bummer because, again, he's like the best character in the movie. Yes. So they try to run away, but they can't. Every way they run, they just keep coming back to- Oh, yeah, we the... get that spinning scene. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember what movie this made me think of. I know yeah, this has happened. Yeah, it does sound really familiar. So the camera is spinning around on the path into camp, and we see Tina saying, you came back, yay, as they're yeah. all running through camp. Yes, Tina every time. Yeah. Redoes the joy. I and and the then joy. And then Blake, as he's carrying the equipment, he's that new wave geek with the suspenders and all the buttons and everything. Oh, you're going to miss the slumber party. Yes. Where are you guys going? You're going to miss the slumber party. And then the, as we're seeing it happen, the camera kind of follows them as they go from one side of this clearing across the path. These two characters say the thing and then all the way on the other side of the clearing and then it spins back around and we get Tina. Yay, you, you came, came back. back. Yay. And then we watch them fall. And so they're just making circles. They can't get out of the context of the movie. Yes. They can't escape. And so this is how they're going to decide what we need to do is we need to finish the movie and the movie does not end until the killer is dead then the movie can end they guess but they're right so they're like what are we gonna do and they realize well the final girl hasn't shown up and that is paula and she is gonna be like this badass yeah i don't understand why she would be the final girl it just does not make sense for what like if you're if you're playing on horror movie tropes this is not one of those tropes but you need to fit the story the way the story needs to fit, so... Exactly. But yeah. So they're like, well, if we stick with her, then we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Thaisa Farmiga doesn't want to let her mom out of her sight. And the ex-girlfriend is like, you know that's not really your mom, right? Right. And the blonde guy's like, you can't say that. And it's like, but it's the truth. Even though, yes, in this world... She is a real person. She is not her she's mother. Still not she's your mother. still yeah, a character. Uh-huh. But I feel like what's happening here is we're getting this weird fluctuation between the characters as they are in the movie universe and the characters as the actors who played them would behave if the actors were a real person. So there are things that, like, kind of if the movie does not establish something about this character, then it's sort of filled in with the qualities of the actor. And so we get these sort of heartfelt moments of, you know, how Nancy would act if she was a mother, you know? Not necessarily that she is Max's mother, but she still has the same motherly qualities that Max's mother had. And might as well be, just without the memories. There's a weird throwaway joke line with her best friend, Shaw Cat or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. About the kid with autism. Oh, there's that. There's that, too. But I was actually talking about, like, she's asked where she got something. And she says from the prison pen pal convention. Oh, a button. Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, right. Because he loves buttons. He loves buttons. And he. it's just the idea is they're both weird and they they're they they think each other are cute. I guess. They're just setting up their relationship. But yeah, there was a weird like moment where she explains that she's not a virgin anymore because she had sex and they're like, "Wait, with the autistic kid?" and you're just like, "What?" Yeah. There was a thing here that said that she personally had a problem with that line and so they let her sort of rewrite it to to maybe soften that blow, and I don't think that she was successful. <laughs> It's still like, that's fucked, man. Like, with the, with the weird mustache and he blinked all the time. And it's like, 
you're still kind of just bagging on this autistic kid. It was a weird line. There's also a line which is trying to be a little bit more progressive when Kurt is talking to Chris and Kurt calls Chris the gay F slur, right? And Chris responds with, my dads are gay, so shut the hell up. And then Kurt, in a humorous way, says, yeah, right, gay guys can't have kids. They're too busy going to discos and having sex with each other. It's actually a pretty cool lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) It's legitimately funny that he has to, like, give it up for the fact that, God, that does actually sound kind of (laughs) cool. Yeah, right. Gay guys can't have kids. They're too busy going to discos having sex with each other it's actually a pretty cool lifestyle but you know they're they these are 80s kids and they have bad stereotypes about things and then yeah it's interesting seeing them clash with these characters uh everybody's there it's the time of the story uh and so oh the flashback yeah and we get to see this is a kind of cool little moment yeah so that she's sitting there at the campfire telling the story about what happened to billy and all of a sudden, everything becomes black and white, and Shawkat is freaking out. She's just like, oh, God, why am I colorblind? Am I having a stroke? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're being taken where the movie goes. Because we had a question early on is like, how do scene transitions work? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, they don't. They don't experience scene transitions. But basically, only the things that happen in the movie are things that happen in this world. But when the camera goes someplace else into some other time, they go with it. And so they go into this flashback world from 1957 and they hear Nancy narrating the ghost story over the top of it. And they they see what happened to the kid. Yeah, where he's being... Tortured, basically, yeah. Yeah, firecrackers in the outhouse. And so they come back to the present. Something happens that they all freak out, and I forget why. I think they're... You know, they try to tell them you're in a movie and there's a killer and you're all going to die. Oh, Gertie sees the killer in the window. I, I forget what the context is, but she does and she screams and everyone comes down. And Paula, the final girl, is like, I'm getting out of here. And Kurt goes with her. By the way, they they married in real life last year. Kurt and Paula. Which one's Kurt? Adam Devine. They got married? Yeah, uh-huh, in real She's life. She's barely even in the movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they're they're in this car, and they race out of there, and all of a sudden, out of the woods comes Duncan. Hey, guys, I'm alive! Bam! And just gets hit by the car and immediately dies. <laughs> At first, you're like, oh, good, he's alive. Oh, fuck. Yeah. And yeah, so he gets hit by the car, and they don't even talk about him after that. And it causes Kurt to fly out of the windshield and get his back broken when he lands. So he's dead. And then Paula hits a pole at the entrance and just crashes. And like, Oh, okay, good. She probably survived the the car explodes. Yes. Now Paula's dead too. It's a pretty gnarly scene, but I love the ex girlfriend's response. Oh my God. Paula is dead. We are screwed. And you're not real. Talking (laughs) to the mom. (laughs) This is where they have to explain to everyone what's going on. And we kind of skip past that. They just, which I'm thankful for, they just get right to the, everyone knows now they're in a movie. Yes. And they explain, Tina, you can't get naked. Yeah, because you're going to get get drunk and do a striptease. Then that's when he's going to show up. Uh Uh-huh. 
Now, I kind of hate that she, like, so desperately wants to take her clothes off, but I do get that but it's... that's the character... Well, it's also, like, that's her motivation, you right. know? Right, that's like, what I'm saying. a character, like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Exactly. She's drawn to, she's compelled to do it. But because do, the movie wants her to. I like her response. Why does he hate my boobs? <laughs> Is it because they're small? Oh, I know, right? But why does he hate my boobs? Because they're not big. But so they're trying to figure out who is a virgin. And the only virgins are Taisa and her mom. Yeah. Because she did not have sex with Divine before he died. Yes. There was that moment. That was that was around the time that Shawkat saw the killer and freaked out. But Max was trying to get in the way. Cock block, as it were. There's a George Michael joke here where she says, I can now save myself for George Michael. Yeah. And, well, I wouldn't hold your breath or whatever. There's a sort of heartfelt moment. We get a conversation between Nancy and Max. Nancy's coming to terms with the fact that she's in a movie. And she says, God, this totally sucks. It's so bogus. I should have known something was up with this place. I mean, think about it. What kind of summer camp has water beds? <sighs> yeah, this is when she's having a real moment with Taisa because she was crying because the ex was really mean uh-huh. and said, you're just part of the body count. Like, you don't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Nancy, you can't be the final girl. It's not in your DNA or whatever. You're the shy girl with the clipboard and the guitar. You get laid and then you die. You're just part of the body count. No offense. That came out wrong. Yeah, and by X, she's talking about Vicky Nina Dobrev. And she gives her her bracelet at this moment. Yes. I don't know why they end up having this conversation, but the ex-girlfriend, I guess, starts to feel guilty. And she's just like, I am such a bad person. I did all these bad things. But then Shawkat is like, well, I did this. And she goes, oh my God, you're evil. Yeah, I I started a rumor that you were always on your period, that you had some medical condition where you were always on your period. She's like, that's evil. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. But I don't want to gloss over this because this is while they're doing, they're preparing a setup to basically booby trap the house and lure Billy into the house so they can kill him without the final girl. And I read that, Apparently, because this is a montage, they were supposed to realize that they were in a montage, like experience being in a montage. And I'm really, really bummed we didn't get that. That would have been a lot of that would have been hilarious. And it would have been another thing that you could have just waved away. I don't care about the logic of it. If it's just like they're in one moment and they're setting up the bear trap and then cut to they're tying a string or whatever. Like and they're like, what the fuck? Just oh, we're in a montage. Okay, that would have been great. That would have been great. I agree. I would have thought that was really they shouldn't have cut it. Nope. But yes, they have this sort of moment where Vicky gets a little bit redeemed. She then talks about how, you know, we used to be best friends, Max, you and I. But then after your mom died, you completely shut me out of your life. And we never talked again after that, which is sort of, you know, completing that arc of, yes, she is actually her ex-best friend. Max does try to comfort Vicky because Vicky is expecting to die. She says, Vicky, you don't have to die. And Vicky says, I'm the mean girl in the 80s horror movie and we're past the midpoint. So, you know, I'd say that I've overstayed my walk. She is prophesying that she is going to die ah. because she's the mean girl. She's like, I fully expect to die because I'm the mean girl in an 80s slasher. I'm going to die. Oh, 
Okay. That's that uh, moment where they're talking about she's admitting how mean she's been and all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so Max realizes, hey, wait a minute. If I could enter the movie, maybe my mom can exit the movie with me. And then maybe we can live happily ever after. And she can be whoever she wants. But that's not going to happen because uh, the mom's going to have to sacrifice herself here. Yeah. Um, I have a note here because... Tina sees one of their phones for the first time, and there's this, what is this? It's a phone? Yeah, right. You know, it's not even attached to anything. First of all, it's 1986, and the concept of these phones, of cordless phones, and even cellular phones, did exist in some way. The idea that a phone needs to be connected to something would be completely foreign. Yes. But. Well, it's 1984, but I guess, yeah, cordless phones probably existed by then. Well, I wrote 1986. Oh, in my notes, which so. earlier, if you remember, I was asking, when is this supposed to take place? Because it's 20 years ago, she said. It might have just been an off-the-cuff mark. 20, and it was really more than that. But that would mean that the modern day is 2006, or somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So. Which would mean that they wouldn't have those kinds of phones. Yes. I was thinking that as well. They wouldn't have like an iPhone, mm-hmm. like a touchscreen phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were sort of semi-versions of that, but not what we, we see. We had flip phones back then. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the first iPhone was, what, 2007, I want to say? So their plan is to, now that they've booby-trapped everything, they're going to... Let Tina do let her Tina strip, do strip dance, dance to cherry pie. But she took all of Vicky's Adderall. And so, oh, first of all, she's tied up in oven mitts and like a life vest is snapped onto her or whatever just so she cannot strip and they finally give her the go ahead and she's just hopped up on Adderall and so she's doing this crazy dance uh, in, in the front door and it is when she takes off her top that's when he appears from the mist in the distance and she starts freaking out as he gets closer and Chris is like wait a minute wait for it wait for it he needs to get closer but she panics she runs she trips on the tripwire and lands face first into the bear trap. Yes, unnecessary. Jesus. Just there are brutal and sudden deaths in this movie. Yes. Lots of them. So Gertie and Blake, who have had this little romance kind of going, they end up kissing, but then he dies. Yeah, because that's his version of getting some as, yes. as like the nerdy weird guy. Mm-hmm. So he gets killed right after he kisses her. It's sad. But then maybe dies as well. Sorry, maybe is how I know her. <laughs> Shock Gertie. <at> Gertie. Yeah. <laughs> she dies as well. The ex-girlfriend sacrifices herself. Yeah. And so we are going to be left with. So, yeah, they're upstairs and Gertie and Vicky are, are they have they've already set him on fire with these flaming arrows. And Gertie and Vicky are yanking on this cable to pull a bucket of lighter fluid or gasoline or something on top of him to set him completely ablaze. But the rope doesn't work that they're using. And then Billy knocks down the bookcase on top of both of them and they can't get up. And as they're like, you know, come on, come on, we got to get out of here. He machete right through the back of Gertie. Yes. And so Vicky knows that she's also going to die. And so, yes, she sacrifices herself by saying, guys, get out of here and keeps pulling on this string until it actually dumps the bucket on him and they're out of the window and there's basically an explosion which is going to kill vicky and hopefully kill billy too and but no 
it goes into slow motion when this explosion happens. <laughs> and Malin Ackerman's like, what's happening? And I'm like, wait, didn't you know? Wasn't this part of the plan? Right, yes. Why, why are you confused about it until you realize what she's talking about is that everything's moving so slow. It's They're experiencing slow, slow motion. Slow motion. It's really <laughs> good. It's funny. And then it's they're well done. running across the field away from Billy, who is still alive, who comes out like the front door or something, still on fire. <laughs> and he's chasing them and they're running and it's in all slow in motion. slow motion. It's fantastic. The music is really good during this scene as yes. well. Apparently... In the original edit, that slow motion sequence was very long. I would have, I think I would have liked it. I, it was pretty funny. Yes, I, 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 I keep don't know. it going. I, I want to see them try to do I more things in slow motion. I don't want them to ruin it, but it, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but so, they're like, tell the story, tell yeah. the story. Take us into flashback. They realize, oh right, the, the mechanics of the movie. Take us into the flashback, tell the story. So she does, and then she gets sucked into it, and then she can hear herself, and she's like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, doing the voiceover, that's what I sound like? <laughs> This is when I noted down, mm, the colors are very Stranger Things here. The pink and purple. Oh, in the in the sky mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, the, but every single sky in this was artificial. So, I mean, the set design, when they went to camp, there's all these fake flowers and stuff like that. Everything is, as the script described, technicolor, which was not necessarily what the director was intending or the writers. But yes, it is very colorful in this world we haven't really mentioned and yes this every single sky is cg and so they try to do cool fun things with the sky and we get this flashback and so he sees himself and all of that like he gets to see so they take him into the flashback oh no he doesn't he gets hit by the car that shows up <laughs> right and then it hits the title that, that yeah, says he, 1957 he gets, yeah he gets hit <laughs> by that stuff yes and it's it's again pretty funny uh-huh but they pretty quickly go back into regular time yeah. where Chris gets Max is going to find all the dead bodies. Is she? I yeah, she's going to find all like the dead bodies, but then she's going to get macheted by Billy, which is what's going to prompt Vicky to become the she's going to go. Yeah, kill. so Chris is completely out. He's still alive. But he's dying. And so, yeah, Max wants to save her mom, but she can't do it. And so Nancy is like, I'll do it. I'm your mom. And then I'll do it. And But always with the knowledge that doing it is getting topless and dancing to Betty Davis eyes. And then she turns, and because this is a beautiful moment that she's protecting her daughter, she's got her top open and her bra hanging out. And... Just looking at her daughter like lovingly and dancing like, I'm having fun. <laughs> like, like we used to have fun. I'm your mom and I'm protecting you. But also this means I'm stripping for you. Yeah, it's very weird. It, it That's not well done. And not well executed. Not accomplished. Yes. So she dies there. And they use the flashback opportunity, I think, to grab a second machete. That's what happens is they take the machete from the flashback and bring it back into the real world. And that's how she has a machete as well. And so she has a final fight with Billy. And they cut his head off. Yeah, killing him by cutting his head off. And Chris is still alive. And they sort of like hug out in the open field. And the credits And then the credits start rolling. uh, Yes. Which which I thought was cute. It is great. I love it, love it, love it. And we get like the actors' names of all the people that played like Tina 
and Kurt and all of them, we get the the fake actors' names of the people in this universe who played them, which is, you know, a, a little bit fun. And then they wake up. In a hospital. In a hospital. And Chris is still alive. Everyone's alive. Well, first, it's just Chris and Max, and they're only alive. And then they hear them arguing the voices of their friends and so duncan's still alive gertie's still alive vicky's still alive uh and they're like oh great yay and she still has that bracelet she got from her mom she did pull that out of out of the movie right but she does say was it all a dream and they say nope yeah so they all have their injuries yeah they all yeah he middle ditch he pulls his shirt up which not his shirt by the way his his hospital gown so he's showing everyone his dick (laughs) lifts that up and he, and you can see this giant gash that's all stitched up but like how would he possibly live through that well because we're talking movie logic here they haven't left the movies yet they realize they're still in a movie and then billy comes bursting in the front door of the hospital and we get the title camp bloodbath 2 cruel summer and then the credits play the song cruel summer but Duncan's really excited to be in the sequel. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, the sequel's even better than the first one. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, who knows what's going to happen at the end of that one. Uh, I think it's not necessary for us to have a second Final Girls, but even if you did, you could. But what would you be doing that's any different? I don't know. But it, you could continue the fun. Yeah, but I don't think you need to. I think it's fun. And that's where you leave it, right? It's fine. So anything else to say about Final Girls, Kelsey? Oh, we get, uh, like, actual bloopers while they're singing Cruel Summer. Oh, yeah. I... It's a cruel, cruel summer. It's a song. But, I don't know. Bloopers are always kind of hit or miss, but... It's fine. I, I like the movie. I think it's fun. I would recommend that you watch it. And yeah. If you decided not to, still, I'd still recommend you watch it. And I think that... There were certain things that they could have done better, but I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think the final there are things we complain about about this movie, but like the the final word is that we enjoyed it. Like we had fun watching it, regardless of the fact that it didn't logically make sense, regardless of the fact that it was a little bit questionable in some areas, regardless of the fact that uh there were things that we wish they would have done that they didn't. Like there are comments to be made about how the movie could have been better and what we did not like about the movie. But all of that said, we enjoyed it. We had fun watching it. We had a good time watching it. So what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm going to guess 80. Has a 74. Okay. The Final Girls offers an affectionate nod to slasher tropes while adding a surprising layer of genuine emotion to go with the meta amusement. Metacritic of 59. Do you think that that is overrated or underrated? Slightly underrated. Okay, what would you give it? I was going to give it a 77. Yeah, I was like at least a 75. I think I would give it a 75. Okay. I, I think in the same way that, like, yeah, Gremlins 2 is fucking ridiculous, but it's just a fun, good time, you know? I didn't have near, I don't have nearly as much fun watching that as I did watching this. Yeah, this was fun to think about, but I think that that kind of terminates too early. The thought experiment doesn't go far enough, or at least not far enough for my mind. Like I said earlier, like I keep thinking about the logistics of it, and oh, it's just, it's just fun to me thinking about that stuff. And the movie doesn't explore enough of that, um, which is kind of a bummer. Whereas 
Gremlins 2 just outright says, fucking, I don't know, I didn't make the rules, you know, and it's stop thinking about it. I don't know, man, ask the writer. <laughs> yeah. When you were in Army of Darkness, uh, when you're stuck down in the pit, how'd you get your shotgun back? I'll talk to the writer, man, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like in Looper, where he's like, I don't want to talk about time travel shit. <laughs> I don't want to talk about time travel shit. Because if we start talking about it, then we're going to be here all day talking about it, making diagrams with straws. It doesn't matter. Love it, love it, love it. It just works. Deal with it. You know, and so I'm fine to deal with it. But yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a solid mid 70s movie for me, for sure. Something I would recommend to anybody that likes horror movies, because it really does. It doesn't necessarily skewer the tropes, but it does like reference them in a way that makes me laugh, you know. So, yeah, definitely a good movie. And that is our meta week. Thank you very much, Chickapedia, for recommending The Final Girls. Thank you. Uh, and we watch Gremlins 2, The New Batch. But Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Next week, we let our subscribers, uh, our, our Patreon, Patreon backers, our Patreon backers uh-huh. decide what we are doing next week. And they decided from a group of movies that we gave them to choose from. Uh, they voted, and they voted on Death Becomes Her. From 1992. we paired with Life After Beth. From 2014. And so it's going to be a horror comedy about death women and death. and women, yeah. Uh-huh. So we're really excited, because yeah. we, we really love Death Becomes Her. There was a close runner-up, which was a really great combination of Donnie Darko. And Coherence. Which we'll watch in a couple weeks. We will watch that later, don't worry. But it it was also pretty close up there. Probably the only way Donnie Darko's making it on this show. I gotta be honest with you guys. I love Donnie Darko, so I'm very excited. I enjoy Donnie Darko as well. I think it's one of those movies that's like, eh, does that count? If you want to hear us talk about that, we will in our uh, we have Patreon exclusive content, so make sure you're keeping an ear out for that. If you're a subscriber, you do get access to uh, sort of non-show related conversations that we have. We got a bunch of different topics lined up, but most recently we talked about the new season of Stranger Things. Uh, and one of those topics is what counts as horror and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll be talking about that shortly as well. So make sure you are subscribed at patreon.com slash pod cemetery and you can help us decide one of our next episodes. Yeah, we're going to do this a lot because we have a lot of movies that we want to watch. Yeah. And huge list. So we're excited to show you, like, hey, here's what we're thinking about for this week. What do you want out of these choices? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, have your voice heard and uh, make sure you're backing us on Patreon. So that is next week, 1992's Death Becomes Her and 2014's Life After Beth. Until then, you can always find us at our website, podcemetery.com, and on Twitter, at podcemetery. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there, but even bigger than that, sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that, is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very much. We love each and every one of you, but our patrons are our favorites. <laughs> like Harry and Jeremy, Stacy, Greg, David, Chickapedia, Jeffrey, Gravemind50, and MGS7785, thank you guys very, very much. You are our favorites. 
Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Where do they keep the chainsaws? I know what goes down at this camp, and it's not pretty. Gremlins 2, the new batch from 1990, and The Final Girls. I don't have the year. Which is the lab from Interscope. Interspace. Interspace? Yes, Interspace. Which is the lab from Interspace. Interscope is a record label. Oh, that's funny. A gremlin with glasses who could talk and sing New York, New York. A gremlin with leathery wings just flying around, flip-flopping, busting through a wall, make a perfect bat symbol in the wall, get outside, get in some wet concrete, jump up on a building, just dry in place like a gargoyle gremlin. Professional wrestler turned actor turned cultural icon in the movie where he breaks the fourth wall of the movie he's in. Uh, You mean a gremlin made of lightning bolts that's zigzagging all over the room and is done completely in animation? A gremlin with eight legs and a thorax just catching pretty ladies in a web in an office building? Do you guys know the way to Camp Bluefinch? Tina? I dig the one that looks like Ricky Schroeder is what she says. I'm so glad that you died. He's like, what? What? But Tina's already done it twice today. Tina says the best way to have sex is to get stoned and do it on a waterbed. Why am I colorblind? Am I having a stroke? (laughs) I should have known something was up with this place. I mean, think about it. What the hell kind of summer camp has waterbeds? I'm the mean girl in the 80s horror movie and we're past the midpoint. So, you know, I'd say that I've overstayed my welcome. Blake. Oh, right. Gertie has to kiss Blake. Mm-hmm. Bitch, you had me at Little Gremlin JJ. <laughs> 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 <laughs>